Hi, I'm Eric Stonestrom, uh, the CEO and president of Airspan Networks. 5G is going to change the world in many, many ways. It's touching every aspect of our lives in a way that previous communication cycles uh, did not. What's different in 5G is the data flows that we use to connect to the cloud in every aspect of our life are now uh, very much being modernized, upgraded. New industry models are being unleashed, new ways for us to communicate, new ways for us to view the interaction with the, with the cloud and the web. And so we're really excited about 5G. This is Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. Before we get into the 5G discussion, we like to take a moment to try to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Eric, you ready for those? Uh, absolutely, Sean. All right. Question number one, what is your current state of mind? Uh, my state of mind is very excited about the future. I, I'm looking back on 35 years in the telecom industry and seeing a breakthrough cycle here, a cycle that's unleashing innovation, tens of thousands of, of engineers hard work across the broad ecosystem of technology, affecting hundreds of millions of lives, billions of lives. So it's a very exciting moment in time as a technologist, as a deep telecom expert, and as a, as a human being, it's, it's really exciting. And question number two, what or who is the greatest love of your life? So for me, the greatest love of my life is solving complex problems. I think that uh, the more complex a challenge is, the more broadly it impacts people's lives and their future, the more exciting it is to me. And, and I'm just really very happy and, and honored to be part of a cycle now that's having so much impact uh, in the way the world looks at communicating, the world looks at personal relationships, the world looks at commerce. So it's an exciting time. And question number three, Eric, what do you consider your greatest achievement? I think looking back over the last few years, assembling a team of, of best of mind uh, innovators, doing that on a shoestring budget, uh, building technology that has deep, deep impact across hundreds of millions of people is really what has given me the most satisfaction in life. And I see that, that runway continuing as we move into 5G. So Eric, I really enjoyed the commentary you gave us on both your professional and, and personal thoughts on 5G and other technologies that are really poised to make big changes. Before we explore that a little bit more, maybe you can give me and our audience a bit of background on Airspan and your involvement with the company. I think you've been in that CEO position for a little more than 22 years now. So obviously you've been with the company through a good deal of change in market development. Maybe you can just give us a bit of an overview. Uh, yeah, thank you, Sean. As, as a company, Airspan has always been focused on the same uh, problem space, which is applying uh, technological innovation and breakthrough to connecting people and locations uh, to the greater network. Uh, we started the company in, in London uh, doing fixed wireless for wireline telecom operators, and we adopted a CVMA technology, which was, of course, just being pioneered for mobile. We put that in a, in a form factor to do fixed wireless. And, and we are off and running, uh, 23 people founded the company. Uh, we found a very good cycle in the 2000s when we added data 
centric products to our portfolio. We had started out with CDMA and voice and we struggled to get 96 kilobits of, of data. That was a big accomplishment, 96 kilobits. We're now at gigabits, oh, just to put it in perspective. Uh, in the early years of the new, of the new uh, millennium, we acquired a, a group in Israel, uh, which was part of Marconi previously, which had expertise in IP and also in OFDMA. So two of the most important technologies of the next uh, 20 years and looking forward another 20 years. We built a, a skill set there with best of breed uh, capabilities in engineering. We launched a series of products uh, throughout that period that really gave us a dominant position in the fixed space. What we did is we pivoted uh, in the mobile direction hard, the 3GPP direction, and we did it at the right time. And the nice thing is we had the skill sets. We had the best TVD engineers, time division duplex engineers in the industry, the best at uh, OFDMA. And we were able to uh, produce a portfolio that became very relevant for mobility. And, and we were had some good luck along the way. Uh, we had used a startup, a silicon company in Israel called Design Arts. They were acquired by Qualcomm. And suddenly we became Qualcomm's lead customer on their FSM product line. I found myself in the offices of Mukesh Ambani in India, uh, Masasan in, in, in uh, Japan, and, and together with uh, a lot of innovation that we had developed in the previous years and fixed, we produced a best of breed portfolio for densification uh, and coverage in mobile. And that really has fueled a lot of growth over the last years. Uh, interestingly, in 2018, we acquired a fixed product. Again, we bought a company called Mimosa, a Silicon Valley based, the best of breed startup that competes with the likes of Ubiquity and Cambian, but with a better mousetrap and, a, and just a better way of doing things. We saw many of the same traits with that group that we had succeeded and do succeed with on 4G and 5G. That is the ability to write our own software on top of low cost merchant silicon, choosing best of breed partners, partners like Qualcomm, uh, like on uh, computing or on, on semiconductor. And that's allowed us to build differentiated products at the best possible price. So our mantra has been innovation. Don't do what the other folks do, do something that's smarter, We've been well rewarded for that as key innovators like NASA, like Mukesh Ambani, uh, used us in hundreds of millions of dollars of, of transformative network rollouts uh, and continue to do so as they became investors in the company. We have a great investor a roster today. We are a private company, although we're going through a SPAC. We will be emerging in the public market shortly with a SPAC partner uh, called NBA. As a private company, we have shareholding of partners like SoftBank, uh, Reliance Geo, Qualcomm, Foxconn, uh, that have all allowed us to bat above our weight uh, through the years because of the, the virtue of the innovation that we bring. You mentioned uh, that Airspan is in the process of going public through a, a SPAC process. Can you just give us a little detail into what that looks like and what it means for the future of the company? Uh, yeah, Sean, it's a very exciting time for us as we access uh, the public markets and make Airspan a company that uh, public shareholders can invest in. We've been privately held for some time. And what we find uh, is so important about being a public company as we expand our market reach, having you know a lot more customers that are comfortable purchasing because they have disclosure of, of every aspect of the company. And, and that's a good thing. We also find it a great recruiting tool uh, Talent is in scarce supply right now. We pride ourselves on getting the best talent and this fits that uh, mandate very well. 
we have a, a relationship with a company called NBA, which is a SPAC a sponsor. We are in the final stages of, of formulating uh, or applying through the SEC for uh, an effective registration state. So we hope to get that done here uh, by mid-August. It's a great opportunity for investors uh, who want to step in and, and be a part of this exciting journey. So I know you've been on hand and instrumental in a lot of the, the ebbs and flows of uh, cellular technology over the past few decades, Eric, but I've also heard you say that we're currently as an industry in the middle of the largest CapEx super cycle of your career. Maybe you can break down for us what that means uh, for the industry, the consumers and the businesses that uh, operators serve and, and what it means for Airspan. Uh, yeah, it, it is really exciting. And I've been through a lot of cycles. The 5G cycle is unique in, in several ways. It's unique first because the number of participants in the furnishing of the ecosystem has gone up uh, very nicely. I've, I've been focused personally on two trends in the last four or five years. One of them was the convergence of cable and telco. Uh, the cable operators have a great franchise of, of broadband internet access. They have a, an MVNO relationship now, reselling a telco service. For the first time now, they're able to build their own networks and they're exploiting the, the phenomenal assets they have in the field today with you know, hundreds of, of, of thousands, if not millions of miles of overhead strand. So that's a great convergence of, of, of assets. Uh, that, that's one of the themes that's so exciting. Another theme that's so exciting and so different this time is the convergence of fixed and mobile. And, and I mentioned previously, we started the company on fixed. We then pivoted to mobile. Interestingly, the two are converging again now. In five years ago, only 20% of data came out of the network in a fixed location. 80% of it was people browsing on their phones, moving around. Now 95% of wireless data is coming from a fixed place. So just think about that transformation. And, and that's a lot of things. That's you know, COVID forcing more work at home. So you're no longer going to an office that has fiber. That's uh, people using much higher speed uh, applications on their phones and, and using them at home as their default, as opposed to a wired PC. Uh, that's the fact that the wireless technologies and fixed have gotten so much faster and more spectrally efficient. You know, Historically, telecom operators didn't really like to sell fixed because it used up spectrum that they might've paid tens of billions of dollars for in, in an ARPU that was, was less beneficial than mobile. We've cracked a lot of that code now. We've also found out ways to exploit new blocks of spectrum. So unlicensed spectrum like 5.8 gigahertz has come into the mix as an alternative for that final mile. So those two convergence themes, cable meets telco and, and fix meets mobile really are something that's fueling part of this super cycle. Uh, the next part of it is this, the generic spend of telcos and the fact that they need to bring different architectures in 5G. Historically, the 2G to 3G upgrade, the 3G to 4G upgrade was a bit of a, a non-event on the towers. It was just another upgrade cycle for, for the dominant suppliers like Nokia and Ericsson. Uh, what's happened in 5G is so many more cells are required, so much more software is required that you're really driving a whole different network architecture. The operators can't succeed by just upgrading their towers. And really the analogy I use is when, uh, you know, 1980, the mainframe dominated computing. And some people talked about disaggregated software with, with Microsoft, others said it'll never work. Some people talked about desktop computing and you know PC computing servers. The mainframe folks said it'll never work. 
And obviously it's because they had a vested interest. They preferred to sell a $100,000 box to somebody selling a $1,000 box. And we're in exactly the same inflection point here. The nice thing is we've proven those ideas in 4G with the innovators like SoftBank, like Geo. In 5G, all the telephone companies have to do this to keep up because we have the new Greenfield entrance like Rakuten, we might talk about a bit more in this call, like, like the cable folks suddenly able to build their own networks because the tools have gotten so much more cost effective. And then the fact that much more information is, is being processed in the same amount of spectrum. The amount of spectrum is, is, a, is a limited resource. The way those signals need to be transmitted in 5G is with a whole new frame of mind on architecture and airspan plays right into that. So that's fueling a lot of a super cycle. The third element is private enterprise for the first time is a stakeholder in, in building networks. In Germany, 74 licenses were issued in, for 5G spectrum to private industrial groups. In Japan, 500 megahertz has been opened up between 4.5 and 5 gigahertz. And interestingly, the DAS business, which was sort of a sleepy antenna extender business, has been replaced by what we do, which is intelligent 5G in buildings, maybe purchased by the building owner, possibly purchased by a, someone who used to sell managed DAS, possibly purchased by the carrier. So there's a big shift in the, who's carrying the weight of the architecture as we move forward. And that's all super positive for us, but it's also just a generally uh, buoyant uh, atmosphere. If I look at the enterprise and private sector I just mentioned, for the first time in 5G, significant amounts of that $1.5 trillion a year spend, uh, which Kathy Woods recently uh, referenced, which is the entire IT enterprise spend, a fair amount of that is now being spent on telecom. And that's music to the ears of, of the companies like Airspan and our competitors, because that means new ways of selling, new customers. It's not just upgrading the towers you see as you drive up and down the highway. It's a whole new ball game. We did a great job of uh, teeing up some of the topics that I wanted to cover today in terms of uh, disaggregation of radio systems, what that means for densification for network economics, and then also expansion of network spend into private enterprise. So let's start with uh, with OpenRAN and your, your customer Rakuten Mobile. The Greenfield build they did there in Japan stands as the example of how OpenRAN can really change capital and operating models. So What's next for this engagement? I, I understand you're looking to support their move of millimeter wave-based 5G inside buildings, as you mentioned there previously. Uh, yeah, so we have a number of projects so with Rakuten. It's a, it's a very open ecosystem. There are a number of suppliers, uh, super innovative, and it's a proof point against all the skeptics. Uh, and so we've been able to really push the needle together with our partners on a lower cost architecture. Uh, we're now moving into a phase of of uh, focus on some additional products that, that get at the coverage issues at the edge of the network. Uh, we have continued rollout on 4G, uh, continued momentum on the basic 5G infrastructure. And it's an exciting phase because we're, we're actually making millimeter wave a real use spectrum, uh, tens of thousands of units building an outdoor architecture now, thousands of units coming on the inside as well. So it's an exciting environment. It's been a real pleasure and honor to work with Rakuten. We've learned a lot from that and we're actually partnered with them internationally as well through their RCP platform to take this idea to other markets. Hi everyone, this is Sean. I wanna thank you for supporting Will 5G Change the World, which is sponsored by Biavi Solutions. 
Viavi helps communication service providers, network equipment manufacturers, and enterprises worldwide command the 5G network with automated solutions for test, monitoring, and assurance. Learn more at viavisolutions.com forward slash 5G. Now let's get back to our conversation with Eric. So Rakuten, that was a, a greenfield network build, uh, somewhat unique if you look at all the operations around the world. And now in terms of open RAN momentum, we seem to be seeing a lot of traction among brownfield operators. I would particularly point out the memorandum of understanding between four major European operators. They're committing to deploy open RAN at scale over a pretty long period of time. And then just uh, last week, we saw a similar type of commitment from five Middle Eastern operators. So I guess high level, Eric, how do you interpret this commitment to open RAN in terms of validation of the technology? And then what does it mean for Airspan and really the open RAN ecosystem now that there seems to be a long tail of, of revenue for open RAN products? What does that mean for the R&D uh, that can now accelerate with that commitment? It's very exciting. And it's validation of these ideas that again, we've been working on at Airspan for a few years. But the innovators we talked about had us put in a million cells pre-Open RAN that proved out these concepts. In the US, we worked in a multi-vendor network with Ericsson and Nokia and Samsung. Uh, India, our biggest, our biggest uh, deployment there with Reliance Geo is coexisting with Samsung in the same 20 megahertz spectrum. So the ideas have been there. What's exciting about these brownfield groups accepting, and in fact, being innovative to adopt the idea is they've seen they have to do things differently. I think, that, again, they, that it, it was with the innovators in 4G that we made the difference and we transformed that network economics phenomenally. If you look at Reliance's ARPU, it's the lowest in, in the world that I know about and they're profitable. And that's because they use the smarter economics of open RAN. That's what uh, Tarek Amin has done in, in Rakuten. So it's really, a validation of these ideas that we already know in our hearts work and we actually know in practice work now on a broader scale. Of course, the incumbent vendors hate it. You know, the IBM analogy plays again. If you're one of the big heavy iron companies, you just want to sell another extension on the same towers. And the great thing is 5G won't let operators that take that path succeed. They're going to be left behind. So that's what's so exciting about the brownfield folks beginning to adopt. Many say it's hard. We know it's not hard. We have the skill sets and the execution record now to actually make a difference. I believe it won't start in the existing spectrum in the existing macro towers. I think it'll start at the edge of the network and we're making phenomenal progress there, but, but let's not forget carriers, even here, US carriers spent $80 billion on spectrum recently and they need some new ammunition in the, in the gun to be able to be intelligent about how they spend that money. And I don't think they're just gonna turn and buy more of the same, same old. And should I finally say that with Huawei taken out of the mix, that was the most innovative group uh, out of the mix. And they're actually not for, for allowed now in a number of countries. So there's a geopolitical win here. We're actually bringing value. It's a lower cost architecture. It brings innovation. It solves coverage and capacity issues in ways that, that the traditional approaches don't. And, and that's, on the back of uh, carriers, you know, saying we have to work differently, governments saying don't use Huawei anymore. You know, we are in the UK, uh, very active. There was a, a recent government report. Lord Livingston came out with a supplier diversity report that suggested 25% of their network spend should be uh, using open RAN technologies shortly. 
And that's on, against the backdrop of Huawei, who was 60% of their total market being banned, you know, as of the beginning of next year. So it's a great set of catalysts. This thing is really going to be accepted. As you said, it is a long tail. We're not expecting all the stuff to happen in the next 12 months, but, but, you know, walls are breaking down day by day and there's more enthusiasm from those old conservative companies. Uh, the innovators of them are beginning to deploy. And as you said, they're forming alliances to put their, their best intelligence around how to do it. So it's a good maneuver. The IBM example and the perennial gale of creative destruction uh, comes up on this podcast uh, surprisingly regularly. So I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, another one of these big shifts in the market you referenced earlier is now we're seeing spectrum access liberalization in some key industrial markets around the world, which is allowing enterprises to buy their own networks, set them up and, and have them tuned for the very specific types of use cases that are important to them and really serve the business outcomes they're looking for. So we do a lot of coverage around private networks at RCR and on our companion site, Enterprise IoT Insights. And uh, I know Airspan's worked on some really interesting projects in, in Germany, US and some other markets. So maybe you can give us sort of an idea of what you expect in terms of private network market traction near to midterm, and then highlight one of those projects that Airspan has been engaged on. Yeah, so private is, is really, really active right now. As I mentioned, we have a, a great set of partners. I put some of the real estate collaborations we have where real estate uh, owners typically had to buy DAS equipment from Cornier or Comscope. It's an old business. It's not an innovative business. It was a must to have if you wanted to get tenants, you needed five bars of coverage. We're bringing tons of innovation into that area and, and have tens of projects there. Then we have the industrial groups. We have a tie up with Foxconn uh, for Industry 4.0, bringing our uh, 5G into the automated uh, enterprise that's manufacturing focused. I, I love that one because the up, uplink requirements for robotic production are so great. And the cost of the visual inspection equipment, the analytics and the AI that make sure that production is flowing well without a lot of humans relies on a real uplink centric use case. The, the industrial uh, factory has always liked wireless. They hate wires because they like to reconfigure the, the floor layout. Uh, so they don't like fiber or ethernet. They could never get comfortable with Wi-Fi. The QoS just isn't there. If you think about what we bring in private enterprise with 5G, we bring the 3GPP level of reliability. If you think about it, the, the biggest accomplishment of, of you know, Geneva and the, and the 3GPP and the hundreds of thousands of, of people and companies that work in mobile telephony is we've solved security, we've solved hackability, we've solved QoS, we've solved identifiers. So we're bringing that level of robustness now into the places that historically pushed Wi-Fi as far as they could, and they couldn't push it any further. There were too many security holes. It was sporadic. It was a great uh, case of overgrazing the commons in terms of spectrum. We're bringing, you know, kind of grown up level of networking on a wireless basis into all these private spaces. So it's really exciting. One specific project you, you asked about that, we have a relationship with GoGo. Uh, Airspan has always been very strong in uh, the physics of the air interface, Doppler effects and managing, you know, challenge of moving objects. And, and we have historically done projects with people like McLaren at Formula One, uh, connecting race cars. We did a project in Millbrook in, in the UK last year with first responders, ambulance, fire, a McLaren sports car. 
putting that all into a wireless environment. Now we, we got a commercial uh, win out of that with the company GoGo. GoGo historically did the air to ground uh, for commercial airlines, but had a, another segment uh, which was business jet focused. And that segment is now their main focus. And we have a project with them to roll out 5G to the airplane and bring 5G speeds to something today that served with much slower speeds. And that's really a culmination of all of Aerospan's DNA. It's a private network. It's using massive MIMO. It's using very sophisticated uh, uplink, downlink modulation uh, and doing it for a very economic cost. So, so it's exciting because that to me, is such a bellwether of where the future can go. You think about a connected world, connected cars, you know, drone delivery and all of that. There's just a wellspring of applications that can, can jump out of there. So at the top of the show, Eric, you told us that you do think 5G will change the world and you, you gave us a little commentary on why, but when you think about the innovation enabled by 5G, Open RAN, some of the other technologies that we've discussed today, uh, how do you tie that innovation to specific outcomes that we could reasonably agree would have world-changing potential? How do you contextualize the question, will 5G change the world? I think it's connectivity. I think if we can look out in, in, in half a decade and look at the connectivity success, you know, we've seen IoT come in, in nascent forms so far, but technically kind of struggles because the, the solutions are, are all kind of homegrown and home invented. And there are a lot of commercial stakeholders it takes to get you know, a golf cart on a golf course somewhere connected back to a, a company that tracks where the golf carts are. It's, it's not been easy. I think success will be measured if we can have hundreds of millions of endpoints beyond the cell phone connected in, the, in a seamless way, in a way that's as well designed and engineered as today's cell phone network. It, it is a, a remarkable achievement. You can fly to Paris and use your phone and it connects and they know who you are. They know you're credit worthy. You know, just put that, that level of maturity and robustness and reliability that's there on voice communications over cell phone, bring that into the world of connecting all sorts of objects and let's see that go seamlessly and smoothly. And I think we'll have to, we can declare success. And I think it'll be transformative. And I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to get there as an industry. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with me and my audience today. And I'm really excited to see what's next for Airspan as you scale up the company and really expand your reach into the markets that we discussed. So thank you for taking the time to answer the question, will 5G change the world? Okay, thank you, Sean. 5G Change the World is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kenny. Thanks for listening.